0: like a whole, season two where we go by the moniker a space Poddy. uh every season we like to pick an artist and review their albums uh track by track season one was nine inch nails and this season as you can tell is david bowie um and in between episodes we like to drop these special bonus episodes called b-sides and uh, we just did heathen fantastic record we were all over the moon about it and uh the, there will happen to be a whole album's worth of bonus tracks and remixes that we didn't get to time. Wouldn't allow two hours and 45 minutes on heathen is enough. I get it. So we're going to hit that up right now. Um, get you caught up on some recent nine inch news and Bowie bulletins. Um, and, uh, yeah, but so I'm Eric Anderson. I'm going to be, uh, holding the reins on this, on this sleigh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, uh, on the metaphors, but, um, uh, but I, I am just a, a, a lowly co-host. Uh, to my left is the president and CEO of uh, Pod Like a Hole, Mr. Mark Branstad.
1: Hi, Eric. And I figured since this has remixes, you do the honors because that's your neck of the right. woods.
0: Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, chopped and screwed. I love it. Big fan. And then uh, next to him is the uh, the chief financial officer. Stephen Chambers. Hello, oh, Stephen,
2: that is, uh, I wasn't aware of that, and uh, well, that's uh, apparently you haven't looked at my resume, but that's that's fine. I'll uh, I'll gladly continue to do this job. I didn't know what I was doing. I will, be, <laughs> I will be providing color commentary tonight, as I did not do a lot of deep diving into this uh, ancillary material, but I'm sure the two of you really did. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say.
0: Oh boy. And As soon as I finish the album, it's, it's it's like a ritual for me. Then I get on the internet and I find all of the B sides and the and the remixes, and I get so excited. I rub my hands together, get warm, and I and I and I make these playlists and I send them out to my friends, my co-host here. And uh, something tells me it uh, falls to the bottom of a well. Never no, seen I or heard from again.
2: <laughs> I did listen to all of them at least once, and I think I listened to the extra songs maybe twice. But nice. uh, it was, it's been busy idea. lately, so I, I didn't really get to take some notes or anything. And very I can good. tell you that um, there was some remix that came on in the car today that was really danceable. And uh, my wife made me turn it off, so that was, I think that was off this mix too. We'll probably oh get god, to that.
0: there's yeah, there are there's there's a couple terrible ones. We'll get to those though. We'll get to those. Um, uh, one thing uh, we'll call this an oopsie. Um, we always like to have young Lennox Anderson chime in on uh, On the albums, and he did chime in on Heathen. We just forgot to edit it in because, um, you know, work gets hard. What's the first thing to go? Paying attention to our children. And uh, Lennox just uh, got the fat end of the stick on that one. So, um, anyways, shall we hear what Lennox had to say about Heathen? Naturally. Hey, Lennox, what did you think about Heathen? I would say that it would be
1: four and a half out of five votes, and my favorite song... Is Cactus and my least favorite song is Everyone Says hi. Bye.
0: No, it's Everyone Says Hi. I said Everyone Says Bye. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that little rascal.
2: <laughs> Opinionated as always and always so well spoken. A, a child ahead of his years. well I tell you.
0: Well, that's right. That's right. Raised them right. Raised them right. All right. Uh, you got some news for us, Steve.
2: Well, just a couple of things. Actually, I'm going to kick it over to you first. On the Nine Inch News front, uh, you were telling Mark and I about an interesting release coming up tied to Watchmen.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we uh, in our Watchmen episode, I mentioned that they're doing something cool with the vinyl releases. Um, like the first uh, volume one of the soundtrack had um, a fake album review of the lone oh pale horse the band pale horse which was like a supposed to be some band that did all these concept albums about rorschach and they're supposed to be the worst band ever in the watchman universe and then uh the second one uh went a little bit more into um I don't. I ha, I actually am not sure, but I heard that there are some Watchmen Easter eggs in there. So it's a uh, bad uh, research. But the third one's the really exciting one. They took the name that came up with way back in Twin Peaks: The uh, Return, The Nine Inch Nails, and the entire packaging is they're they're making it uh, look like a lost Nine Inch Nails album, um, called the the uh, basically the Manhattan Project. Um, where it says Peter Christofferson and, and Atticus Ross recorded sounds and made a concept album about Dr. Manhattan. And if you look at the song listings, they're like half of them are new songs. Half of them are like songs that did end up coming out in Nine Inch Nails history. And then when you flip through the pages, it gives you a whole alternate history on Nine Inch Nails. Um, some of it rings a bell, some of it doesn't it. And at some point in, uh, in a show in Vietnam, Trent throws his arms in the air and says like, fuck it and quits and walks off stage. And, uh, and so this is being released as Halo 10, just super exciting for, uh, for Nine Nails nerds that, that like some of these, um, these funny little tie-ins they're doing. So anyways, the music is fantastic. That helps, that helps too. It's not just a clever gimmick. The music's fantastic.
2: Yes. That will be volume three of the soundtrack. Correct. You got it. Yes. Which does include, I, I don't believe it was out. It probably, probably aired right around when we recorded the last episode. But by now, I hope everyone's made sure to check out the Nine Inch Nails or Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor uh, cover of Life on Mars that was the credits of episode seven of Watchmen, which was uh, I actually snuck a clip of it in the last episode. But, man, it was great. If you're not watching Watchmen, if you can't tell by now, you're making a mistake.
0: That's right. People that have never read it, you know, friends of mine that have never read it have said they're still getting a lot out of the show. So look at that.
2: Yeah, I think that there's minimal. You need minimal input from the uh, the graphic novel to enjoy the show. It's uh, that stands on its own, in my opinion.
1: And has anyone checked in with Alan Moore and seen if uh, he is liking it or if he's probably incapable of liking anything? But uh, but yeah,
2: he hasn't. No, he hasn't watched it. He refuses to watch anything that Hollywood does with his his works. I'd I'd imagine, though, he's heard about how good it is and maybe he's watched it in secret. I hope he has, because I think he'd appreciate it. Yeah. As a man who made a lot of his bones on reinterpreting old works and making them. I mean, what Alan Moore would do is he would take a previously. Sometimes he would take a previously created uh, intellectual property and reinterpret it and pull out something so new. It was basically his. Which I think that's what this TV show does. So Yeah.
1: Speaking of which, I was on the Twitter timeline today, just wasting some time on my my breaks. And uh something some video that uh, showed up on uh, uh some army cadets. You guys see this? Where they're flashing the okay no, sign? Yeah, like all of that yep. the cyclops thing, you know? Beware the eye of cyclops. I swear it's it's, it's too, it's, it's too spooky of how, like what they're talking about on the show and what we see in reality. Um, it's quite something. It's, it's too prevalent. There's a,
2: yep, there's too many dunderheads in various organizations and the military that uh, are really, are really getting pretty brazen with this uh, white makes right uh, attitude. And you see it today at the Army versus Navy football game these dipshit kids were flashing that uh that new white power symbol that's that stupid OK sign but we all know what they're you know everyone knows what that means in today's society These are uh, soldiers into see- this Yeah
0: Now let's see what happens yeah. when somebody of a different race actually has to have their back in in combat and let's see let's well, see how let's see how white power they are at that
2: point There's that but also unfortunately I mean these guys are supposed to be defending everyone And so now imagine if you're in the same, uh, you know, troop with them or what have you, and you're a person of color and you know about this, you're going to, you know, you're going to be handicapped. You're going to feel like you are. It's just, it's very unfortunate. And of course these, these, uh, they're spineless in a way because you know when they are called on it and they will be, they'll say, oh, it was just a game. We didn't know what's the, it's the. It's the okay game or something of yeah, that we're nature. Just,
0: we're just trying to, you know, we're just trying to, to scare the, the, the libs and get them all, uh, worked out, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well,
2: that's what these, that's what these fucking cowards do. And they think they're so smart. They always say they're just kidding. When someone online posts incredibly offensive incendiary shit, they say, oh, it's just a joke. It's just kidding. I think it's so, it's so absurd. I don't believe it. I think it's just funny. And what it really is is that's just their way of backdooring their true beliefs in, and eventually, it you know it it becomes not a joke anymore, and there you are. That's uh that's how all this four chan alt writing of the Repu- Republican Party
1: started.
0: Terrifying times, terrifying
1: yes. times. So let's talk about that American uh, Dream 2001 remix. Am I right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh we will we will one uh, other thing
2: I wanted to mention is yeah. did you guys hear did you guys hear about this movie um, called Speed of Life no I just saw I just read about it and it's a movie that uh, and I'll read the I'm synopsis. guessing it's not Speed In 3 2000- I'm,
1: I'm guessing it's not the, the completing the trilogy of the Speed films the Speed universe
0: Sally, they're gonna leave no. us hanging on that one yeah
1: no
2: but I did see I went and saw knives out today which is great everyone should see it and they played a trailer for uh Bad Boys for Life. So just Bad Boys uh, series honestly yes, The quadrilogy will Excellent. finally
1: be done.
2: <laughs> isn't a quadrilogy 4?
1: It is the fourth movie, no, isn't no, it?
0: No, it's the third one.
1: Oh, it's the third one. Okay. I thought that's why there's the bad boys four life. I thought that that was their play on you oh, know, kind of yeah, doing no. like a fast five thing.
0: Yeah. There was a bad boys three script and product. And it was in production for a while with different people in it. And then that got canned. And I so really did think that
1: me. bad boys three did sneak out under the radar for me. And uh, it just, I haven't been involved in the bad boys averse. So, oh, well, it, it- it definitely would have been on my radar, so no, I could definitely say it
2: wasn't. I uh, I, believe, I believe Sacramento's own Joe Carnahan was involved with uh, Bad Boys 3 at one time. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this film, in 2016, David Bowie's death creates a rift in time and space. June and Edward are in the midst of an argument when Edward suddenly falls into the wormhole created by Bowie's death, vanishing without a trace. In 2040, June continues to mourn the loss of Edward while facing the dark reality of her approaching 60th birthday, when she will be locked away along with the rest of society's senior citizens. Unwilling to disappear, June begins to plan her escape when Edward suddenly reappears in her life. June has spent 24 years without Edward, but for Edward, it has been mere moments. And, uh, yeah, this is this is film that stars uh, Alison Tolman, That's uh, I think she was in Fargo season one and uh, Mm racing Ray Ray Santiago and it will be going to all of your Amazons and your Google plays and your Apple TVs on January 10th, (laughs) the same day as January 10th, the same day as Stargazing, a tribute to David Bowie, right, Eric? Stargazing.
0: Exactly. Yes. 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 And if you didn't catch our last B-side, I interview Bougie, the the, the curator of that fun multimedia night of Bowie tributes. And um, at least a couple of your pod like a holers would be there, if not, if not all.
2: Yes. We hope to see you at Harlow's on January 10th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. for Stargazing. That's right. So, as I look to the stars... I wonder if there's a God up there. I doubt there is because I'm a heathen. Tell me about these extra tracks, Eric.
0: All right. Well, um, I kind of got a weird order here, but we're just gonna, we're just gonna follow my playlist here. So, uh, get ready to jump to, to, to bounce around here. All right. So the first one we have, um, this is available, uh, on the, uh, bonus, the extra expanded edition of the album, um, when it was released, like, uh, I think six months later or something like that. This is Sunday, the Moby remix. Everything has changed. Four in It's the beginning of nothing. All right. So uh, did you guys get a chance to listen to that? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's structurally very similar to the album version but um it's a wash in some synths um during the beginning and a beat kicks in a little earlier um it's got an ethereal sound to it it kind of at some point it kind of reminds me of some of the melodies on play um bowie's vocals are essentially un, unchanged um and uh It really kind of, the beat kind of builds around that uh, off string guitar strumming. Uh, What'd you guys think about this?
1: So I definitely have played in Moby's background back in kind of like during the play years, I guess I'd say. Um, I never was a raving fan, but I always appreciated what he had did. Um, In recent times, I've kind of soured a little bit on Moby. Um, The Natalie Portman thing alone was kind of gross. Um, so, I kind of took him down a few steps. He's definitely someone who's, you know, highly opinionated. And uh, whether or not you believe in what he does politically or in animal rights activist-wise, uh, he, he's definitely an interesting character. With that said, this remix is got Moby's fingerprints all over it. Um, he's definitely painting with that brush that he tends to do. It's kind of in the vein of his early ambient house music. Uh, It's not terrible, but if you're not a fan of Moby, you're probably going to be more so annoyed with it. Um, I don't think it is a complete disaster. It's just kind of an interesting take. It's like essentially Moby uh, putting his style in the blender with this song, and I don't know. It's okay. It's fine.
0: yeah it's i I would agree with that it yeah i don't think it's annoying um it doesn't do like to me what even like stuff because i had play as well and some of his early stuff and some of his early stuff got too much into like that 90s um house kind of stuff that i wasn't really crazy about um but like even play he kind of goes crazy on the old i know it's the whole point but he kind of goes crazy on like the old blue samples and uh and so much so that it's like it gets a little bit repetitive and all that and none of that none of that's going on here it's fine it just doesn't add anything to the song like the whole build up of Bowie just singing over like some like ambient sounds and stuff i mean that kind of was achieved on the album so even though it's moby's sounds now that he's singing over it doesn't really achieve anything new for me and it um yeah when finally the beat hits it doesn't have that strength that it has on the album version um so, so I'm kind of like, you know, it's fine. Inter- What's Interesting. That? You know what I was thinking recently about that Moby Natalie Portman thing that kind of makes it more creepy? Um, he had like four songs on the Heat soundtrack,
1: including, yes. and I will yes. give him credit
0: for this, his fantastic remake of um, New Dawn Fades by Joy mm-hmm. Division and, uh, and a few others. He had like two or three other songs on that Heat soundtrack. Well, Natalie Portman was in Heat, and she was like eleven years old or something.
1: The and you know that they were both—you yeah, know—they right. were
0: both at that, at that, you know, the, the red carpet together. So
1: premiere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. God moving over the face of waters yeah. was the big one. Yeah. That was because that was that song was even in the right, trailer. Right. Michael Mann, Al Pacino, Heat. Yeah,
0: fantastic, great movie. Yeah. But anyways, that was just a that was just a little something there. Steve, did you get a chance to spin this one?
2: Uh, yeah, I listened to it for a minute. Mm, it was a remix by Moby, all right. That's right. What song was
0: okay? What is this, When the bullet leaves the revolver, did he have a song like that?
1: Kind of like uh, that's, gu- No, that's when more guitar oriented. Um, that's when I reach for my revolver. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's there off of the album Animal Rights. Right. That album is actually pretty good, and that song, that's when I reach for my revolver, is actually a pretty. Yeah, that's a guitar
0: driven track, right? If i yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I, had that, I had that album. That's a cover. <clears throat> is it? Is it really? Yeah. Who's the original yes. by? Couldn't tell you. There you go. Crack, crack research team, we three That's right. have here.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so uh, there is one more version of Sunday, and it's Tony Visconti's ver- mix. Did you guys listen to this one?
1: Yes, I did.
0: All right, let's play a clip. For the- Alright, fellas, what'd you think about this?
2: Excuse me. It was by Mission of Burma.
1: Oh, okay, there you go. They're actually a pretty good band. Um, I've yeah. heard one record by them, and I was kind of impressed. They're kind of like a post-punk band. They're they're pretty good. But Eric, to answer your question, yeah. the Tony Visconti remix, he just brings the drums up into the mix, uh, just makes it a little more hard-hitting. Um, I think this song, is, or this remix, is... I don't know. It's fine. It... Uh, it kind of takes away some of the, the drama of the swirling drums whooshing in at the end because they're just always there. Um, it's not a boring remix. It's just kind of, okay, this is a different way to look at the song. Yeah. I
0: don't
1: know. What do you think? I think it's
0: pretty uh, – yeah, I agree. It's pretty pointless. It. Um, yeah, the drums kick in almost immediately, and they have a really cool – like, the drums have a cool, like, echoey production quality to them. At the same time, like – it takes away. You're right. All the drama and mystery from the song, and it leaves no moment that that climactic moment when everything kicks in. It le- that does not exist. So, um, it. Uh, I think it kind of neuters the song a bit. Uh, but you know, if you want to hear a little bit more of that instrumentation that in the album version you don't get to hear until the very end, then it's all it's all there for you. So, um, just just kind of dissecting the parts that only really get a minute in the album version. Um, It's worth it for that. Um, I think he brings out, I think he's really proud of his monk vocals and he brings those out a little bit in the, uh, in this remix, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't do anything for the, for the original.
2: So. Yep.
1: All right, Steve, what do you think? Did you hear it?
2: It's better than the last remix. What's the next song?
0: (laughs) The next song is A Better Future, remixed by Air.
2: I can say that this remix is the best remix out of these remixes. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, what,
0: what, what do you guys think about Air? I, I I got turned on to them from like the Virgin Suicides. I know they've been around before that, but that that kind of was I was like, oh, I like what's going on here. It's like a little bit uh, electronica. It's a little bit like 70s soundtracky. It's a little bit, you know. Uh, Frenchy it's you know it's kind of fun so I, I my wife's a big fan and I'm not going to say I sit down and listen to him but I like I kind of like it's, it's pleasant and it's especially pleasant in the background of something like it is in this song
1: but what do you guys think I have there? the album Moon Safari um, and I, maybe uh, three records by them uh, I want to say one of them is called 10,000 Hertz or something like that
0: that's the one that has Beck on a track
1: yeah and then there's another one that has both of them on the front cover and in kind of a tan. Can't tell you the name of the, the album moon safari is the one that I'm more familiar with. You know, the sexy boy. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely has that seventies kind of laid back, chilling out, um, at the lounge kind of sound to it. I, I'm not, I don't mind air. And of course the virgin suicide soundtrack, and I'm sure they pop up a little bit on even Marie Antoinette somewhere. Um, if you ask me, like, which French duo, uh, electronic band do I prefer, I'd probably say Daft Punk over Air. But um, this remix and on the last episode where we did talk about Heathen, um, you know, I, I told you guys that this Better Future wasn't my favorite on the uh, on the album. But I feel that the Air version actually breathes a little bit of fresh air haha, into it. So, um, yeah, actually, this is the, one of the songs I actually do prefer the remix over the original. So Steve's yeah, point, yeah
0: I'm, I'm with you. Steve's yeah.
1: point. It is the best remix found on this collection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It gives it, 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 it brings in some, you know, uh, electronic, like big, like steaming electronic drums and some atmosphere and mood. And, um, I know, I remember like one of the bones you picked with the original Mark Is that his voice gets a little bit like phoned in at times, a little bit too like laid back and and, during um,
1: verses. And he replaces Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And he replaces some of his vocals with robot vocals. So just when you might think his vocals may sound a little boring or or obnoxious, they turn into robot vocals. It's great. (laughs) What do you think, Steve? What do you think about Air and what do you think about the song?
2: Air is okay. I don't think I ever owned any of their albums, but I never they were inoffensive to me. A little bit too ambient at times for my taste. Um, you know, I I don't put Brian Eno all the time on as well, and they're kind of playing in the same sandbox, I think. if uh, if four Frenchmen enter and two leave, the two that leave are doff punk, if you ask me. That's my opinion of air. This remix is it's it's fine. it's good. It's uh, you could listen to it. And it doesn't sound like a remix. That's the best thing I could say about it. It comes across as its own song. There it yeah, is.
0: There you go. So uh, the next one is um, we go from maybe the highest high of this little experiment to one of the lowest lows. Took a trip on a Gemini spacecraft, the Deep Sky Mix.
2: The Gemini yeah, the the uh, it was really cool to listen to this remix, and we always like to discuss and joke about Steve's various travels in his life of music scenes. And I was teleported right back to 1999 in Sacramento's rave scene, man. I was back at Giga Beats. There was glow sticks everywhere. People were on drugs. And the music, in hindsight, was terrible. And so was this remix.
0: Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, so Deep Sky is a crew uh, made up of J. Scott Gray and Jason Bloom. Um, and they've remixed Madonna's Hollywood. And I think they even did some Johnny Cash remixes. I can't imagine this. Johnny Cash or something like this, but uh, I should seek those out. It does, it it, it kind of it's, it's housey At times there's a little backbeat that even Sounds so like dated Like almost black tie white noise dated um, And it's Very repetitive in the vocal samples that he uses uh, uh, Just basically taking it straight from the song um, Yeah, there's not a lot to say about the song It is uh, Dated even for 2002 um, As far as Techno remixes go Mark, did you even give it a 10-second try?
1: Oh, I gave it the full 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, God, um, is that the long? The amount that I give my wife, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but. <be>. Attaboy. <laughs> uh, and it also has the same result of one of us feeling nauseated and uh, tired by the end of it. So, yeah, this is not exactly my, my favorite. Uh, it, 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 I mean, The source material wasn't that great uh, to begin with. I mean, uh, it was okay, but it just really amplifies a very unnecessary remix that I doubt was being played in the uh, in the clubs. Um, But whatever it is, I guess it's just not for me.
0: And they they dropped this on some promo discs, but it wasn't official. It was definitely an official remix. Um, It did not come out on like their bonus disc or it didn't make the cut for that. Um, but it did go out on some like promo discs to DJs and and such. So, all right. Speaking of singles right. like that, let's get to the last remix uh, before we start talking about the proper songs. This is a little thing called "Everyone Says Hi" the Metro Mix. So Metro is a person, a group that remixes. They, but they do adult contemporary dance remixes. They do Celine Dion, they do Whitney Houston, and when you listen to this, they do. Oh, they did. Um, you know, well, it, it kind of makes sense because the group, the people that this is the one song that was produced outside that they that they brought in people, and it was the people that produced "Shares Believe." So this was like. Um, so, even this remix is, is for a very certain scene, and it's not a dance club. It's like the best thing I can think of is like a hotel bar. Like, that's where you would, that's where you might hear this song. It is housey, but not in any, not, I think Raver House is maybe even too edgy for the way this sounds. It's, it's, uh, all the lyrics are the same. Everybody says hi, but it's, it's, it's very clean, but, um, uh, sparse and definitely cheesy sounding. Um, definitely have a time 2002 hotel bar, you know, 40 somethings hitting on each other while they're on the road, uh, selling pharmaceuticals. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what popped into my head. That was Mark's
2: dad's life.
1: <laughs> that's true. Um, I will, uh, basically second, the one other thing I would say, instead of a hotel bar, I get folding clothes at like an Amber and Fitch. <laughs> um, just kind of, innocuous boring just yeah um so yeah not my cup of tea
2: that's right i i would rather i would much rather listen to shares believe i am not being sarcastic that's fine that's fine
0: all right well let's get out of the remix hole and let's get into some of the uh the new songs from this era um, first one up is a remake of a song we've talked about off Space Oddity 1969's conversation piece let's hear it but for all the years of conversation I
2: I very much enjoyed this remake. I think I like it more than the original. Not that there is anything wrong with the original. We all agreed we liked the original. Yeah,
0: that was it's like a, a, that fleshed. was like a hidden gem off the, off the the because that was a B side off Space Oddity. Yeah.
2: Yes, and uh, they you know all the lyrics are the same. It's just more fleshed out. There's a very uh, the, there's some Visconti string sectioning going on here. Uh, I think his vocals, you can tell he sounds wizened, if you will. I think it's actually a pretty neat song to come back to 30-something years later, uh, having the same guy sing uh, that about that same story, but clearly sounds older, because he is. And uh, there's some really good rising action in the last verse that just kind of gets you by surprise. And the pianos give me a Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion vibe to them. Ooh. I... I don't know what made them bring this song out of storage, but I'm glad they did. It was a highlight of this little bonus section. Yeah,
0: I agree. It's yeah. I, I had the same note that it's uh, uh, him using his old man Bowie voice. It really adds to it. And the production is thicker. There's more instruments involved. It's um, definitely fits the pastiche of heathen as far as production quality. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lovely little track. I'm into it. Mark.
1: Same. Yeah. Uh, it's a very subdued little vocal performance performed in a lower register for Bowie. I find it quite moving with the string arrangements, the kind of plucking guitar, plinking piano. I don't have as much knowledge in Guns N' Roses to really make that correlation. But I have to say, big fan of this re-recording.
2: Yeah. I th- I think that uh, maybe they, I don't know if they did it consciously, but a lot of Heathen does talk about uh living among others and neighbors and this song is about that same thing so it lyrically it does kind of fit into the the heathen bin i think so it works out yeah absolutely
0: all right That's so be fun. panic in detroit uh, we've talked about it before um it's the last track on the bonus disc and we'll talk about it again when we get to Aladdin insane. so we're going to skip right on over that and we are going to go to a um strange little rock and roll track Called Baby Loves That Way. A fool in the always makes me sad. She fools around with other boys, treats me like a woman of time. Baby loves that uh, so they re recorded this. This was going to be on toy. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the toy version. Um, and this was the B side to every, everyone says hi. Um, this song isn't great. Uh, but he is, he is playing like what sound, definitely sounds like a mod totally sixties British invasion, uh, rock and roll song. Um, he changes his voice. Like if you want to hear Bowie sing very, (laughs) very differently. Um, it sounds like old timey garage rock. Um, But it's not very good. It's pretty flat. Um, So you can see why I didn't really make it on any album. But I think it's Bowie going back to the sound that he started with. And, um, you know, he did that with Conversation Piece to, to, you know, soaring success, not so much with this song. Mark, did you listen to it? I
1: did. I believe I gave it the once over. And... It wasn't very memorable. Um, My notes basically outlined the the backstory that it was going to be featured on the album Toy. Um, But I found it to be a little tedious. Nothing really to write home about. Um, Looking, I think, on pushing ahead of the Dame, I think they also came to the same conclusion. But when I was listening uh, to it on YouTube, there is definitely some love for some of these songs that were going to be on toy that uh, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time with those songs. But uh, yeah, my first pass was not a good first impression.
0: Right. All right. So another track uh, that was a throwback to where he got to start was a song called, you've got a habit of leaving. Is a total throwback to the Who sound. That if you listen to some of the Bowie bands before he was David Bowie, um, you know he he lo- loved the Who. And in fact, there's there's documented accounts of Pete Townsend in the early years, straight up like giving him a tongue lashing about ripping off his music. <laughs> I can't I'm, I am enthralled with Pete Townsend and uh, David Bowie's relationship because. It sounds like they didn't get off to a good start. Pitans would show up every few years, angry, drunk, maybe (laughs) every now and then do something awesome and then leave. (laughs) But they just, they kept, they couldn't quit each other. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, this song um, is fun though. This song sounds like The Who and he is singing like I've never heard Bowie sing before. Um, It's totally a throwback and um, I did enjoy this one.
2: I'd like to, uh, I have nothing to say about this song because it's another one I didn't get a chance to listen to, apparently. Uh, I have to say, for all the, like, a lot of the records we've listened to, when there's some bonus stuff, I've had no problem tracking it down. But for some reason, even with your assistance, Eric, this Heathen stuff did not, wasn't able to, to catch them all, if you will. Right. Um, but I do want to say that all, uh, we do occasionally mention David Bowie's pre-David Bowie existence where he had all these bands and they were all called things like, you know, the Young Kingsmen and, uh, you know, David and the Bombers and stuff like that. When we do land on the number one, which will be the Durham anthology, I believe, that is when we will at least rally, r- rattle off uh, the history of all these bands he had before he was David Absolutely. Bowie. I was
0: thinking the same thing when I was listening to this.
2: Mark, did you chit listen to this song?
1: I did. And I agree with the Who comparisons. Um, this song didn't bother me as much. I thought the ending of the song uh, starts to hedge a little closer to that Who sound, where if memory serves, um, they kind of uh, jam it out a little bit. And I'm not the world's biggest Who fan. There's some obviously undeniable classic songs. I think it's Pete Townsend. Um, definitely, he just comes across, and he is. Uh, just a cranky old bastard. And this week on uh, Tim Heidecker's podcast, someone who knows Pete Townsend, I think her husband plays in The Who's new live interca- incarnation. Pete Townsend is always complaining about how he hates playing live and how he views it as a job, <laughs> but he does it because obviously, you know, for money. That's his job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his job. But he's just really really forthright about it. He was, you know, when interviewers ask him, uh, so what, do you like playing? And he's like, "No, it's just a job. I don't really like it." And um apparently Roger Daltrey is also a big Brexiter. So, you know.
2: Lovely. Um well, uh, unfortunately a lot of those assholes are apparently. Right. If, uh, if I'm reading yeah. the trade this week. And by the way, I got to tell you guys, I I like to think I'm at least halfway intelligent when I read about how uh, British parliament works and shit, man, I get confused as all get out.
1: Oh my Uh, God. makes no sense.
2: I mean, I'm sure they might say that about us in the electoral. Actually, they probably do say that about the electoral college and you know, the Senate versus the house. But man, when I'm looking at the Tories and the, uh, the labor party and, and how they jockey for positioning, I do not get it. no,
1: Speaking of the Electoral College, I really did love Stephen King's response to this whole impeachment nonsense. I mean, it's not nonsense. It's obviously should be, it's valid and it needs to be done. But what I'm saying is like on the other side where they're like, you know, here we go to the activist Democrats trying to go against the will of the people. And he says, you mean the will of the Electoral College? Hillary won the popular vote, but there it is.
0: Absolutely,
1: but this song, yes, it all comes back around to what is the song? Baby, I love your way. Yeah. No, baby loves that way.
0: Baby, I love your way. Frampton isn't on. Frampton yeah, no, is it not did. on this.
1: <laughs> it, it's fairly,
2: it's fairly obvious that uh, they, they know that he's guilty of what he's charged of. So what they're going to try to do is make a mockery of it by being so obtuse and obnoxious. Uh, that, that it'll like be a mistrial for lack of better, and term. then nobody can so fault I'd,
0: them for for not supporting the impeachment. These, these you know what I mean? For re- right. when they go to when they go to re-election,
2: yeah, it's a uh, it, it's it's blatant, it's nonsense. Uh, the Republican Party needs to be tossed into the sun and built from the ground up. You know, if better. I was
1: to, I wouldn't drain the swamp. I would basically be running on this town needs an enema. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Uh, all right. So, speaking oh, of song, makes, oh, you're you're not,
2: Mark's Mark, you're putting me in the mood to talk about Christmas. Getting close.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah. Anyway, do something about that. Um, speaking of
0: uh, impeached things, um, let's talk about the song "Safe."
1: Are things getting better now? Are things getting worse? But I'm standing in
0: the sunshine And it lifts my heart And feeds my mind Stay in the sky Alright, so thanks to the Pushing Head the Dame website I'm able to talk a little bit about the history of this weird outtake um, This one has an interesting story uh, Safe used to be called Safe in the Sky Life And funny enough Karen Rackman, who is Ricky Rackman of Headbangers Ball, that's his uh, his uh, sister, I believe. Yes.
2: Oh yeah. no, kidding! And she was oh, that's, she that's, that's was funny. producing
0: the sound, the soundtrack to the Rugrats movie, and she commissioned Bowie to create a David a proper David Bowie song, um, huge orchestra. He had like three members of Dream Theater playing in his band, and I'm not making that up. Um, wow, Dream Theater, this is weird, guys. Dream
2: Theater keeps coming up on our podcast. <laughs>
0: Uh he sang it like uh the Thin White Duke. Um sounded a little bit like uh Heroes mixed with Space Oddity, and then the scene that it was supposed to exist for got cut from the movie, and his song got cut from the soundtrack and it disappeared. I can't find it. just Dis- disappeared into obscurity. Um so he re-recorded it um as just safe. Uh and um it definitely sounds vis- viscontified as far as the production the production sound um but it does get epic there's there is still big big strings there's chunky acoustic stuff going on um i enjoy the song i think it's i think it's uh, one of the gems of this this listen and i would love to hear the original cuz it sounds pretty awesome but uh yeah there you go safe did anybody listen to it
1: i did um, and just by the fact that it was supposed to appear in the Rugrats movie, a movie that I've never seen, because um, it's not in the Disney canon, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is quite interesting to, uh, to hear how that would have fit in. I, I remember watching the Nickelodeon show and apparently, uh, you know, good for Bowie and good for the director and the creators trying to bring in some... Uh, strong artist. Rugrats wasn't a terrible show. It was an interesting kind of uh, cartoon that was both for adults to laugh at and the kids. Um, kind of a SpongeBob for its day, but a SpongeBob is on another level. That thing is just a gold mine. But... Um, so good. So oh, God, definitely.
0: I love it. <laughs> Bowie, we should, do a, we should do a B-side just about Bowie's appearance on SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. But... It's fantastic. But this song but does yeah. have
1: some pretty good guitar work. I think it's Mark Plotty that's playing the guitar. Um, this was written with Reeves, but uh, Reeves had gone bye bye by the time that they put it on on wax. I guess it's not terribly great, but that's right. um, I think with a little bit of more loving, it probably could be something that gives it a little yeah. something special.
0: Yeah, I hope someday that that Rugrats track resurfaces the 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 uh the Dream Theater version. <laughs> yes.
2: I'm gonna become a dream. I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get into Dream Theater. This is
0: I know the fates good. have aligned. Like they couldn't be more more of a better time for you, Steve.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is this is like Beetlejuice. We've said it three. We've mentioned them three times on the podcast. that was not planned. Yeah, that's so. amazing.
0: Oh God! All right, the next track is um, one that it came out as the um, B side to Slow Burn and. Um, it but it was it. This is the toy version, so I'm gonna say let's hold off on talking about it till we talk about toy. This wasn't a re, re, remake of the toy, it's, it is is the toy version of Shadow Man. So we'll maybe just play a little snippet as a preview and we'll talk about that when we talk about toy. Sound good? He's the yes. man and the Shadow man is close And see his smile made of nothing but That brings us to our three our batches of guest appearances before I, I'm saving my favorite of the B-sides for the very end. But there's three guest appearances he did during this era. Let's Let's start with the strangest pairing um, with a jam band from the early 2000s. Called rustic overtone he did two songs with him he did uh and we'll just play a little clips with uh sector and man without a mouth enjoy
1: understand this the planets it's
0: communication the air between the sonic boom and the human nature home bizarre your life smoky clubs you won't need oxygen and you won't need laser guns we got gravity we got law and we're pulling from the core the crowd service to the ground service where they belong but only think of one
2: Okay, so I did listen to these songs, but my weird version of it, I, I got to tell you guys, trying to piece together this extra heathen stuff was like back in the days when you would use LimeWire to get music in the uh, the turn of the century. And, you know, you, you, you would have some mislabeled MP3 file that yes. was like, uh, yes, so, some along the lines of like, you know, 311 does the Legend of Zelda song or something of that nature. And it wasn't them at all. And it wasn't the no, Zelda song. You're absolutely right. That happened um,
0: in this situation. Uh, the, the, uh, tron yeah, and the, the got so me these, did me wrong this time.
2: Yeah, I, I listened to two of the fish songs. I couldn't tell them apart from each other. I just know that I actually liked one of them. And the other one was very blah. So I can blah. probably tell you what the, exactly opinion. what that
0: is. The blah song was Sector. That song, I think I texted you guys. It sounds like 311 uh, and um, Incubus had a baby together. And... Um, it's got some like funky bass. It's got some like little ska guitar. It's got uh, annoying horns when it needs to, and Bowie shows up for a hot minute. and And that's that track. Man without a mouth is the better one. That one actually isn't very annoying. Um, it just sounds like kind of noisy jazz rock, I guess. And Bowie actually has a bit a bit more of a presence on this song, but it's it's. It, Based, this being a good song, just based on what Sector sounds like, I can tell this would have been a frustrating listen if I tried to get I did. Whole I found
1: them to do. be ridiculous. Mark,
0: did you listen to these?
1: I thought that um, I didn't really get the jam band band effect. I do get the kind of the new metal that th- that uh, Three Eleven and Incubus kind of lived in, like you said. Um, surprisingly, uh, I, I think I agree with you. Man without a right. mouth is a little bit more of an interesting listen. Sector is kind of blah, but they wrote Sector. I think it's Sector Z is the actual official title of the song, um, with Bowie in mind to uh, show up with that call and response structure, alternating uh, kind of in that uh, alien voice. But Man Without a Mouth apparently wasn't intended for him to sing on. He just wormed his way into the song yeah. according to Pushing out of the Dame. Um, but how did he come across these guys? Was Tony V? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Tony Tony V produced... They hired Tony V. No, I'm sorry. They bounced over a lot of record labels. And at one point, they were on Arista. And they hi- Arista hired Tony Visconti to produce their
1: 2001 album. That's that's right. So, Tony strikes again. <laughs> but not, not in a good way on this one.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess it's... When I said jam band, I think they use world music in their songs a bit. Um, but I think they are more like a... Just, just take take your like beach, your beach rock of of the '90s early aughts. Um, you you maybe your peppers. I kinda,
1: <laughs> okay,
2: I kind of got a eve six an eve six. Oh, guy. And supposedly
1: <laughs> Bowie was a big advocate for this band. I mean, he put them right alongside how great Arcade Fire were. Um, I honestly I don't remember hearing anything about these guys, but maybe, um, yeah, honestly, not even Bowie in interviews, but they. He would link to them in his davidbowie.net dot um, saying how they're a great band. Everyone needs to check them out. But uh, I did not give them the Arcade Fire treatment, and I'm not going to. No.
2: Well, you know, if you want to go back to our Nothing Records special, uh, Trent made a lot of claimed a lot of bands were worth listening to too that were not. So it happens to the best of them. Let me just call. Uh, bring up one pound note, if you will. Oh, yes.
1: The Bowling Green. You mean the Bowling Green? The
2: Bowling Green. Yes. Other other interesting facts about our friends in Rustic Overtones is that they were the first band to play on live Sirius XM radio. Also, the song Hardest Way Possible was featured on the soundtrack of Rob Schneider's film The
1: Animal. Ah, yes. When (laughs) Schneider was just putting out hit after hit. I wonder if he shows Schneider, up in the right. uncut gems, which apparently is spilling a lot of ink for old Adam Sandler, old Cajun boy himself.
2: Right. Oh, I think it looks. I think it looks I, fantastic. I'm reading it good things. Good. It does look good. And, I just, just
0: like it if he's like you know, it, was he got a gambling problem? So like maybe he's gonna bet on a fight and then Schneider pops his head up. You, can I mean, I'm
1: hoping. It.
2: And yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I think. I think uh, Kevin Garnett. The, 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 the appealing part of that to me is that Kevin Garnett has a, a big role in it. And, uh, it takes place in 2012 when I want to say Kevin Garnett was in the, uh, he might have been in the the NBA playoffs that year. I can't remember, but that would be the place where Rob Schneider pops up. So there you you go.
0: Oh boy. Well, you guys have been hanging with me. We got two tracks left. Uh, this next one was on the soundtrack to Danzel Washington, Ethan Hawke's film training day. And it's called American Dream 2001. Uh, a duet, or that's how he likes to represent it, between P. Diddy and America David Bowie. Is- no,
1: no, no. This is not
0: America. American Dream. This is not America. Land where my father died, land where my children cried. On. America, ain't no barriers. Free strings, let's see how freedom rings. Nation all getting down for the dollar in the heat, getting hotter. But a lot don't understand just the way some plan to break you. I'm saying the whole thing go straight through. Hungry for it. I'm gonna make you pay back what's due to me. Everybody gonna see. Look what they put upon me. Made me a monster. Two steps beyond you. More streets to
1: wander.
0: So, guys, I can't tell you how frustrated I am that P. Diddy has slid into both seasons of this podcast, slimed his way in yeah even in the 90s when i was a massive rap fan and i'm talking about mainstream rap i i I even didn't like him back then i thought he uh he uh was a lousy rapper i thought his beats were so generic and he only anybody knew he was because of because of biggie and uh he milked that as far as he could so um yeah now he's showed up in both seasons of our our podcast fantastic this song is terrible (laughs) It's really bad. It um, it's got this beat that sounds like it was made in two minutes. It's like just like a ba- a bass and drum thing going like over. There's no melody whatsoever. Um, P Diddy raps over it. Uh, Black Rob, Big Ass, Co, and then Mark Curry from Hanging Miss- Mr. Cooper is apparently on the original version of the song. This is a remix of American Dream, uh, Puff Daddy song, but they added Bowie singing the hooks where he does his hook from the, um, the, uh, the collaboration he did with, what was the, uh, the Pat, Matheny. Hill,
1: Pat, Metheny. Pat
0: Metheny trio, uh, which is, this is not America. And he, he does that. And then he does some vocal flourishes throughout the rest of the song, adding the only hint of melody. And it's only done with his voice. Um, this is just a really, really lazy song. Um, P. Diddy did say that Bowie was his inspiration to change his name every few years from Puff Daddy to Puffy to P. Diddy to whatever it is now. Diddy. That's absolutely
2: no. stupid, not even true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. Guys, did you yeah, have to listen. suffer through yes, this? This song also is absolutely stupid, and I wish it wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually
1: bad. do like the song, This Is Not America. Um, right,
0: right. Yeah, it's not bad. Not a bad not song.
1: Bad. Apparently, that song, uh, you know, I only knew it from it being part of a singles collection. Um, but it originally appeared on the soundtrack to that film The Falcon and the Snowman that starred Sean Penn and Timothy Hutton. Another movie I've never seen.
0: Oh, that's a good one. It's a goodie.
1: But just like but, this uh, remix. Yeah,
0: so... No, it's bad. It's 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 it's, it's really bad, and and... And uh, I can imagine there actually being some pretty cool Bowie and hip hop crossover um, if if he was sampled in the right way or something like that. But this is this is not an example of that at all. Maybe God, Judgment
1: Night. Maybe if Judgment <laughs> Night Two comes out, we'll we'll be able uh, still to. Still got
0: my fingers crossed for that. <laughs> that's right. Oh boy, yeah, that's a little body count and Bowie together.
1: Make it happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um this is actually a good a good track though uh with the book and my cloudy face will become a tailing out of here is the lights are blazing in the lonely
1: town
0: I love the little cars at all
1: I believe that was also on the final cut, or at least somewhere in the wall, right? No, I'm kidding.
2: A fucking joke that only like three people are going to get. I'm
1: telling you, man, Um, that title alone just is begging Roger Waters to scream that. When the boys come. All right. Sorry. Uh, this song, this song, well, I,
0: you know, it's funny. I did think about Pink Floyd when I listened to it because there's this big, fretless bass yes. sound, and I don't know if it's Viscani or if it's one of the ones that got Levin on, but it's uh, it that, that did make me think of some Pink Floyd. What little I know about
2: Pink Floyd, it's an it's an alright um, song. It's kind of a cool it's, song. It's kind yeah. of a slow mover. Uh, I think I do think it's album worthy though. I think it would have been okay to be on Heathen. It's it's it, it's a very murky song uh i don't know what it is is it from the toy sessions as well
1: it's own thing right
0: no yeah it yeah it is and um it's 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 interesting it's he's got some imagery about war some of it is you know critical of war some of it is is almost like a bard that's traveling with these Mm. soldiers um kind of singing and describing some of the things he sees there's a really cool like driving drumbeat, uh, almost like a, you know, a soldier's drummer boy, which, you know, is, uh, you know, foreshadow, um, <clears throat> playing in the background. Um, and it kinda, it, it builds, but it doesn't really build to anything big. Um, but it's pleasant enough. It's a totally pleasant listen the last track. Um, I, I, I say this one, cause I think it's a good closer. I put it on my playlist as the last one. And this is my favorite of the, of the B sides and it's wood. Was it wood Jackson?
2: Yeah, this song, it's okay. I i do think it's kind of a snoozer, but I do think that this is the best song that should have been on ours, if that makes sense.
1: I have no recollection of ours, I, so I have no idea fair. if where it would fit. Um, but I sure, I'll go with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are like an old guy going back through his history and like looking for essentially like visual, you know, souvenirs of, uh, of his life, landmarks or whatever. So um, that would, I guess from what little I know about hours, I don't even think I've listened to it. That would, that is this would, the, the, the
2: titular Wood um, Jackson is the guy doing this? Uh,
0: I, I think so. Yeah. And um, apparently Bowie was really into Daniel Johnston at the time. And he wanted to kind of do his version of uh, Daniel Johnston. Like, you know how he did all of his music, like in a in a room with a four track. And he was uh, you know, a mentally ill person, but he wrote you know some pretty interesting storytelling songs. And Bowie kind of was a big fan at the time and wanted to do his take on
2: that.
1: May he rest in peace. Did you ever watch that documentary about Daniel Johnston? I can't remember what it's called, but how he told of a time... I guess his dad was a pilot and Daniel Johnston like either made him crash the plane or he jumped out of the plane while it was still somewhat in the air at a high level. It's been years since I've watched the documentary and it is a very interesting documentary. A friend of the show who I haven't spoke with in quite some time, you guys both know him, Justin Gonzalez is the one that kind of introduced me to Daniel Johnston through this documentary. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I remember him from the kids' soundtrack. He contributed a few songs off of that. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fan by any means, so he's an interesting character. No. Uh,
0: Tom Waits did a cover. Uh, Tom Waits did the song King Kong, which was a yeah. Daniel Johnston cover. And it's a pretty great little Tom Waits b-side, but uh, that kind of got me at least tuned into who he was. But, yeah, I've never really given it I don't time of day.
2: But, I, I um, don't sit down and put his music yeah. on, really. But I like <clears throat> what he what he did and how he tried to do it for the um, limitations he had. I think he was a very uh, interesting individual that uh, definitely was one of a kind.
1: Ooh.
2: He was the white Wesley
1: Willis.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say he was uh, – be- Am I
1: canceled now? Am I canceled <laughs> for saying that? <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, I, think he, think he put a, I think he put a um, bit more – you know what? <clears throat> no, apples and oranges. Let's just move on. So, Eric. <laughs>
0: Jackson stole 20 songs in a
2: well, that's fantastic. A Totally Pleasant Listen is the best you could say about a lot of these. A very boring list of songs that I probably will never listen to again is a more accurate description. There you go,
0: there you go, and we're not going to bolt this one because this this a playlist I made is not is not an actual album. So N A um,
2: is the bolt rating.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. But I am um, always curious, uh, like this and the next day, how many damn B sides there were. I mean, he was he was prolific, and he was just recording, recording, recording. And you know, it is kind of fun to see where his mind was at this time. But uh,
2: that's it for this. So yeah, that's that's it for. Uh, the Heathen era, and as we discussed at the end of Heathen, we rolled the dice and we're gonna hop into the Covers album pinups on our next full-length deep dive episode. That's right. In in the mean in the All meantime, right. I, it's a little you know I haven't seen you guys in, for a while. Would you like to come over and possibly uh, drink some of Grandpa's eggnog? I would love
1: it. I, that sounds like a great idea. I'll get on my dog sled right. and head on we'll over. See
2: you soon.
0: All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, Mark, aren't you supposed to sign off?
1: That's right. I am supposed to sign off. That's the job that I have. And that job is going to be done by me saying, We hope that we brought you closer to Pod.